Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Good morning. Our topic today is intentional thinking, and we hear about this all the time here. Uh, Ernest Holmes, our founder, said that a trained mind is more powerful than an untrained mind. So as Annette said in the uh, opening prayer, we are beings of God. God is the creator and we are co-creators with God for our lives. So it's important that we know what it is we're creating. We set the intention for our lives and we might be doing this consciously, which is really good, or we might be doing it unconsciously and wait and see what shows up. So if you're ready to change your thinking and change your life, these are some things that you might wanna consider. There are four levels of consciousness that I'm gonna be talking about today. And you'll note that the first two levels really are much more in our control. You don't have to know the principles of science of mind to improve your life through these levels. First one is the physical level. And at the risk of sounding like your mother, I'm going to say, are we eating well? Are we sleeping? Are we dealing with our addictions? Are we getting a, um, exercise? All of these things we know. We know in our hearts how to make our lives healthier and better on the physical level. And these are things that we can do right now. There are a lot of unconscious beliefs that we may have that are sabotaging us. And Reverend Larry has talked about there being 80 to 90% of our thinking is unconscious. So we may have a lot of thoughts that are deep in there, deep in here, deep in here, that are coming out that we haven't even noticed. They usually come from our childhood or from our work experiences or relationships, and these are things that we need to notice. So I had the experience several years ago uh, coming home from London, and uh, I discovered, we got a good laugh out of this, I discovered that I knew that if my feet got wet in the rain, I was gonna get a cold. Well, um, I did. My feet got wet, I did get a cold, but you know what, that wasn't a universal principle. I didn't need to hold on to it. I'm pretty sure I could hear my mother saying it, that it was just one of those things she wanted to protect me. But um, when we have these thoughts that are sabotaging us, we can look at them, we can dig them out, we can um, get rid of them. So. Well, there may be some thoughts that we have about aging. And as I look around here today, this is probably the healthiest group of people that are aging that you will find anywhere. We are so healthy, we are strong. Um, look around, here we are. But you may have some expectations of what's gonna happen. Those of you that are younger, watch out, they're coming. <laughs> and notice what you think is gonna happen when you get older. These are thoughts we need to think about and decide whether we want them to rule our lives or not. 
So another thing um, about our bodies is that um, we need to look at the balance between work and play. What's our stress level? What is it that we need to do? Do we know how to relax in a healthy way? So these are all physical, uh, and physical things that we can take care of pretty much on our own. Science of Mind is going to help us, and if we work with a practitioner to dig out those thoughts, it certainly makes it go faster. Next is the mental or emotional level. And again, this is our thinking. What's our general disposition about life? Are we positive? Are we negative? If we think life is beautiful, which many of us here do, we hear it all the time, life is beautiful, and generally that improves our life. If we get stuck in that thought that life sucks, it will. <laughs> Pretty much guaranteed. Okay, so uh, we may have thoughts of lack and limitation. Abundance is something we talk about here pretty regularly. And uh, Emma Curtis Hopkins has said, there is good for me and I deserve it. Abundance is one of the qualities that is within us. It's all around us and we can get it. So one of the things that we have to be really careful of, especially in these days, is that there are outside events or people that we may not be liking very much. Uh, there is a collective consciousness that is the collection of all thoughts everywhere. So not everything that we think manifests, but there are thoughts that, that come about and we still have to pay attention to them. So then the question becomes, can I react to these things in a mature way? One of the ways that I think about this is to use the serenity prayer. So I hopefully look at it with, uh, is this something that I have to accept with serenity because I cannot change it? Is it something that I need the courage to change? In myself, I can always change my attitude. Or is it something that I just really need to ponder with the deep wisdom to know the difference? So all of the physical and mental things are pretty much ones that we can work on day to day. Um, when we are looking at the third level, well, no, let me go back one more thing about the mental or emotional, is that there are many emotions that we have, and anger and fear may have an, an appropriate place in our life, but most of the time they are habitual reactions that come up. Guilt, shame, people-pleasing, these are things that we need to look at. Are they helping us? Are they en enhancing our lives? So we can, again, look at what's bringing up these thoughts of fear or anger or guilt. We can work on it. We can get through it. So this brings us to the third level, the metaphysical level. And you may not have noticed or paid any attention to that beautiful banner over there. The circle includes all of God, all that is. However, in the top part of the V, we have that represents our most deeply held thoughts and beliefs. So whatever is in that top part 
is worked on, the middle part is the law, the law of cause and effect. So we have our thoughts and beliefs worked on by the law, the law that always says yes, even if they're crazy thoughts, they are worked on by the law. And then the bottom section represents our effect or experience, the consequence of our thinking. So if you don't like what's showing up in this bottom part, we get to put something new in, in the top part. They may be affirmations, they may be just new beliefs that we've heard here, that we've learned in a class. We get to decide. When we are conscious, when we are intentional, we get to decide what goes in that top section. So uh, Annette uh, referred to the qualities of God and these are in, through, and as all of us. Now this was a totally new idea to me, to have God within me. I had a pretty good relationship with the, you know, that guy uh, in the sky, <laughs> my higher power through a 12-step program. I had a pretty good relationship with my higher power, but when I was introduced to the idea that God was within me, through me, as me, and that these qualities of God were actually in me awaiting my recognition. I thought I had to get you to love me and you to approve of me and you to do all of this. When I found out they were within me, that's what we talk about, change your thinking, change your life, and my life is very different, I can assure you. So with the... Uh, the affirmations, the new thoughts that we are putting in. You might notice that's why it's called New Thought uh, Ministry. We believe in faith and trust. Prayer, our prayer we call treatment, and it is the five-step process that is directly related to that divine creative process. We affirm that we are God, that, that God is, that we are part of it, and then we claim that which we want. <clears throat> we get to decide, we get to claim. The law works on it, we release it, and we let it go. So all of this is available to us on a daily basis. Our spiritual practice, I really recommend a morning practice or an evening one where we can look at some new thinking, some new reading, some prayer, some meditation, it works. So we come to the final level that is the mystical level, and I'm sorry to say most of us are probably not going to get there today, but we might, because if we really put that in there, we might. The mystical level is the level of Christ or Buddha, um, Muhammad, the prophets. This is a very special awareness. It is the complete absolute knowing that God is all there is, that we are part of it. It is an opening up to the, to the knowing that there is no separation, that we are one and that we are one with all others. And it appears that people that have had even a glimpse of this are changed for the rest of their lives. People sometimes have that and we can always uh, look towards it. Um, this may bring about our creative energy. This may be a, a total transformation of our lives. 
So I'm going to turn things over to um, Ken Cragen, who is going to show us how we can take these thoughts, these dreams, and manifest them. And if you don't get it all from Ken, then go to Marilyn's workshop. So here we are, off to part two of the unending trip of life. I'm going to tell you a little bit about myself first. One, one rather unusual factor. Some of you are aware that I had a stroke not too long ago. And uh, for the most part, things turned out really, really well. And the one thing that I would, like the Apostle Paul would call the thorn in his side, I'm coming to uh, actually kind of appreciate now. And that is when something comes to me that's very emotional, not, not the ha-ha kind of end, but the real intense pulling at the heart kind of stuff, for a moment, I just kind of break down. And it seemed like it's just the oddest thing. And then I also kind of realized that that was my an answer to a prayer of having a closer walk with God. And so, right there, that happened. It's gone now. But I may talk about that, or you may experience that yourself here a little bit along the way. Uh, are there any Canadians in the audience? Do we have Canadian friends? We've got one or two. Let's, let's all do a big shout out to the pod to all of our Canadian friends, okay? On the count of three. Hey, Canada! All right. Now, there's, there's a reason we're doing that, and that's because the star for the second half of the talk is a young man from Canada. And most Canadians know who he is. His name is Jimmy, is Terry Fox, and he did some really remarkable things. Terry, in the late 1970s, was uh, diagnosed with osteosarcoma. Now, at that time, that was pretty much a, a one-way one, one ticket out of town. People were not surviving osteosarcoma. And because of the, of the efforts of Terry himself and things that, that have evolved since then, a lot of research has been done, and now the, the survival rate is now up over 80%. So that's a great thing, and that is certainly a great legacy to Terry Fox. Terry was uh, 18 years old when he was diagnosed with osteosarcoma. He had been a, a long-distance runner, a, uh, loved to play basketball, and he stayed with it up until the point when he had, his knee, leg was cut off six inches above the knee. And then people started asking him, so what are you going to do? What are you going to do now, Terry? You know, you've been told not to buy any long playing records, although we didn't know how long long was. So what are you going to do? You're going to go to Disneyland? You know, that's the old, that's the old Super Bowl motto, right? You're going to go to Disneyland, or you're maybe going to go ski the Alps, or you're going to take a world cruise, or what are you going to do? And Terry said, I am going to run across Canada. A man with one leg was going to run from the Pacific Ocean. Yeah. Yeah, thank you, from the Atlantic to the Pacific. Thank you. I had it in, that, I had it in my head. I just couldn't draw out the map for some reason. It actually started in Newfoundland and worked its way south and west toward the, toward the uh, Pacific. And in the process, he made up his mind that he was going to raise $15.6 million, a dollar for every Canadian, to be given to the Canadian Cancer Society. And of all things, you know who probably didn't give him the greatest excitement. The people who were going to get the $15.6 million. The Canadian Cancer Society said, yeah, I don't know, maybe you, you know, get some sponsors and we'll talk. Yeah, that's, that's it. So he did. And here's the first, the first lesson. He had a big dream. He didn't really, he had two big dreams. One of them was to run. 
And the other big dream was to come up with $15.6 million. So he had two big dreams that worked together at the same time. And a big dream is a big deal. And I encourage you to have big dreams for the same reason. And that is small dreams you can reach. You can, you can get the car, you can get the house on the hill, you can get whatever. But the big dreams, those give you the opportunities to expand more and more to let God in. When God becomes your partner, then things really begin to happen. And that's part of the role of a practitioner. How do we make this happen? Well, a practitioner can help that process along, can give you some ideas, give you some guidance, or just be an anchor for saying yes to everything that you're asking about. You say, yes, we can do that. Yes, we can do that. Yes, we can do that. Whatever it is, the practitioner is, is holding that God space for you in those moments when maybe you can't hold it for yourself. So he moved forward with the idea of not being afraid. Don't be afraid to begin. I'm sure he would say that. He was in uh, preparation for a year and a half. Now, when was he supposed to start? Was he supposed to check with his astrologers? He went, when the stars were in line and say, oh, oh no, no, can't start yet. Mercury is in retrograde. <laughs> no, we can't do that. We can't do that. And then, we, you know, we got this big solar eclipse coming up in August, so we, that's not a good time. No, he, he had to start now. He didn't know when he was, when he was going to finish his race, and he didn't know when he was going to finish his life. So he was going to start now. And when does God do things? Now. That's right. So we've got spirit in the game. Spirit saying yes to now. Life is saying yes to now. It must be now. Consider that. Just consider that always. When do I begin? Begin now. Begin today. So we, we go through that process. And we want to, we want to begin the process because that in itself d develops an enthusiasm within yourself to make it happen. Even if you're taking small strides along the way, that enthusiasm is there and it gets bigger and it gets bigger and it gets bigger and you talk to people about it and the enthusiasm grows and people around you are enlisted into your enthusiasm. Now we all know somebody that we don't want to talk to about things because they always say no, right? Anybody have a friend who always says no, it doesn't really matter what it is? Do you, do you, do you want to have pizza tonight? No, I want Mexican. Oh, we want to get Mexican tonight? No, I want to have pizza. Whatever it is, there's always a no. So there's, there's, a, there's a solution to no's, and that is to not ask yeses and no's. The solution is to tell people what you're doing and then ask for their assistance in the process. You see, when people are saying no, I firmly believe it's not about me, it's not about my goal, it's not about my ambition, it's not about the task at hand, it's about really that person saying no, it's not for me. So if you come to me and say, what do you think about that? I just say no. I'm really not thinking about you. I'm just putting my feet in your shoes all of a sudden and saying, man, that's just too big. I don't know why in the world you're doing that. What's in it for me? Right? That's, that's the nature of life. So we just bypass that stuff. I don't want to know if you think it's a good idea. The decision's been made. I didn't, I didn't bring you in on that one. The decision's been made, but here's what I need. So, so imagine Terry Fox maybe walking up to you and saying, Man, I got this exciting thing going on. I'm going to be running across Canada. I'm going to spend almost a year in the process because I'm going to run 25 miles a day. You can't, you can't do it in a week. So he's, he's giving himself lots of time at 25 miles a day to make this trip over, well over 3,000 miles. And what I'm really looking for is someone that would sponsor me and my uh, support team with a van. Do you know anybody who might do that? See, I'm not asking you if it's a good idea or it's a bad idea, and in fact, you're now becoming enthused because it's going to happen, and you might know somebody that would be interested in supporting someone with a van.
Or maybe the fact that, you know, back then, prosthetics were not really very cool, you know? I mean, they were really marginal in terms of their quality and the design. No one's fault. It's new technology, and they were doing the best they could at the moment, and they were doing a profound thing, but now it's like through the roof. And Terry might have been saying, you know, what I really need is somebody else to design a, a new leg for me because this just isn't going to work. This is not going to get me across. And he would not go with the idea of, well, I can't do it. The idea is, I must do it, so we've got to do something about this. This is what we've got to deal with. And so you ask your friends. So your goal is whatever your goal is. You've got spirit in the process. So it's a done deal as long as you, as long as you keep going forward. Uh, one thing that I have learned along the way, and I'm trying to apply in my life now, I learned in a sailing class. I love to sail. And one of the first things we learned was, if you get into a bind and people start falling off ship or whatever the case might be going on, someone is hurt, you feel like you're the only one there who can help, all you really need to do is turn loose of everything. If you turn loose of the sails and you turn loose of the rudder, the boat will turn into the wind and stop. Yeah, sailboats don't go flying off into the distance with nobody on it. That's not how sailboats work. Everybody thinks it is because that's how it works in the movies. But the, real, the reality is really cool. The reality is it stops. And so when you get into this panic, you get into this mode, and you turn loose of the rudder, there's moments where that's a good thing because you're, you're allowing spirit to hold on. Sometimes we need to let spirit hold on to that rudder. Let it go forward. When, when, the, when the storms come up and you're not sure what to do, lean on spirit because spirit's still saying yes. Spirit's got no problem with storms or, or people falling overboard. You can take care of that problem too. Yeah, absolutely. So think, think about this process. Think about this asking mode. And think about what it's going to take when the time comes to, to come to a, to a close. It's an interesting thing. Um, I was at a training oh, decades ago now with Robert Schuler, who had Crystal Cathedral. Remember Crystal Cathedral? He was an amazing man, particularly in his real prime. He was a terrific teacher. And someone asked him, what do you plan to do when you have, when you have finished your dream? And he was very clear about this. He said that a minister, and it really applies to everyone, a minister always has to have this next dream. Because if you don't, then when you're done, you're done. But if you're always looking for that next thing, you've always got something next on the horizon, then you're moving forward. Now, Terry's, Terry Fox's case really does exemplify that, and let me show you why. About day 100, a kid rides up to him on a rickety old bicycle with a piggy bank and stops him on his run and wants to give him the money. Not a lot there, but that's not important. The important thing was he stopped and he got it. And he talked to the, to the kid, and he talked about his goals and his ambitions and how much the kid admired him and what he wanted to do in his life. And as he wrote away, it says that Terry wrote a message in his own, in his own memoirs, in his own log of the event, saying that perhaps this was the greatest day of his life in meeting this kid. See, things happen. Things happen, and you've got to look for the good in it. You can't say to yourself, oh, you know, come on, kid, that's... $2.75. There's a van back there that'll take care of you. I gotta, I gotta run, you know? I've gotta run. But Terry did have to run. He had to run to that point at that date to meet that kid. So that was a moment. The next moment came at day 143 when he 
woke up in a sponsored hotel room. He, one, of his, one of his sponsors, he got that the Canadian Cancer Society needed so that they could say yes. So he woke up in a sponsored room and he got up and he was ready to get out on the road. He noticed a little tightness in his chest and a little bit of difficulty breathing and thought nothing of it because after all, he's been, this is day 143, things probably get a little tight, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. So he didn't worry about it too much, but he got going and things seemed to be getting worse and worse and worse and then he collapsed. They put him into support van and took him to the hospital and he was there diagnosed with a return, which was to be expected, the return of the osteosarcoma. And it was determined then that his racing days were over. He said that, I don't know if I'll finish the race. Right now I have to go home and do some treatments. Right now I have to go home. But the race must continue, it must keep going. And he was surrounded by news people, you know. He took a long time for him to get very much attention, but by this point, everybody in Canada knew who Terry Fox was. This was the race of a lifetime, and everybody was experiencing it through his eyes and his experience. And a, news, a television news person was there, and it, was, it came back to that question, so what are you going to do now, Terry? Nobody was expecting to hear Disneyland then either. What are you going to do now? And it said that he reached out and grabbed him by the lapel and said, will you finish this race? Will you finish it? How about you? Will you finish this race? Will you finish this race for me? That was, from my readings and study, that seems to be the moment when the race was moved from being his race to our race. It became bigger still. Not that the goals had changed. The outcome did. He raised m many more times the amount that he had set for himself. But it, was, but it was part of the team that changed. He was still building a team up to the last minute. He went home, he, did the he went through the treatment work. He was not able to return to the run. No one really expected that. I don't know that Terry expected that, but he wasn't ready to just give up on day, day one of round two. So he did move on. He talked to lots of people. Right now they've raised $650 million. So when you think about Susan Coleman's run for the cure, that's the Terry Fox Race of Hope in Canada. And it's a very, very big deal. It's their, their single largest fundraising effort in, in the nation. Something to be very proud of. And now osteosarcoma recovery rate is over 80%. So it was a mission accomplished on so many different kinds of levels. We've all got a dream. Some of us have had one and we buried it. That's my case. I remember when I got the email from, from uh, Marcy saying, that she wanted me and, and uh, Ashley, excuse me, me and Nancy. <laughs> Nancy Ashley, I don't call her Ashley if I want to, I'm up here. <laughs> yeah. I, I really thought about, you know, I could, call, I could call Nancy and really kind of convince her that 20 minutes wasn't enough time, which it isn't. <laughs> but that maybe she could just take the whole time, you know, and she was very excited about what she was doing, but unfortunately she was also excited about what I was going to do, so that didn't work out. Then they called her a couple of weeks later, and I thought, well, maybe I could, you know, take maybe half of what she had, and we could just forgo the second half altogether, which really wasn't a bad idea, but I kind of hinted to it, and she at least pretended like I didn't know what I was talking about. <laughs> so uh, about a week and a half ago, I had to get serious about this. And this is something that uh, my, my being here right now is, is, a, is a renewal of the dream. 
I imagine myself as being up here well before today, years before today, decades before today, quite frankly, talking about reaching your goals and planning your dream and being on your mission and discovering your purpose and all that good stuff. And Marilyn will help you with that. I think I'll be at her workshop because I need to flesh out my dreams to see, make them more than an idea, make them a reality in the mind of God. So here I am again. I'm renewed. I let my hands off the rudder for a very long time. I thought it was all just a wash, that my life was pretty dull, in lots of ways pretty meaningless, that I always had something wrong. Don't ask me, because I'll tell you something wrong. That was, that was my life for a very long time. And I let my hands off the rudder and made more room for God. We can all do that. So I encourage you, you know, if you're going to dream, dream really, really big. Don't think about it being just you. You've got people who are dying to help you. They just don't know it yet. Neither do you. So ask. Ask, ask, ask. Ask everybody. Uh, John Maxwell talked about carrying a notepad. And in his notepad, he always, he always had his three most important goals that he was working on. Whether, he was do, whether it was his goal or it was somebody else that he was supporting. And then under that, he had three different tasks. So when anybody said, so what are you up to, John? Well, they learned to quit asking that question. Because he would whip it out. And he would say, you know, I've got this friend here who has this problem. And we're trying to find somebody who can do this. You know anybody who can do this? I need somebody who can, who can do social media for this, for this new nonprofit. You know anybody in social media might be interested in that? I need somebody who can help out with doing repair work. We've got, a, we've got a vehicle, but it really needs some work. You know a mechanic that might be able to help with that? He always had one or two or three things that were very, very specific because they were specifically needed in a specific time. So we need to learn to trust that process and to realize that spirit is going to find people who are going to say yes to you. It's up to us simply to make, that, to, to make the inquiry. So with that in mind, I just want to encourage you again, say yes. Don't ever hesitate to say yes. 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 All right. So let's turn within now for a moment of prayer. Harkening back to that which we already know is true, that God is all that there is. The Spirit is the manifester and the manifestation because all there is is God. That God is the dreamer and the dream. And we get to participate in that process. We get to play in the infinity of spirit. <coughs> and to know that truth is the invincibility of life. And today I know that as the good and gracious God. The God that cares so much about this planet that's been gifted to us. That cares so much about the life that we have and that we share. And about the abundance of life itself. And the fact that as we recognize a need and we recognize a purpose and we recognize a desire that all of the assets of the universe turn themselves in attention to that. And it's fulfilled simply by our asking and spirit saying yes. And so now I'm calling forth a rekindling of experiences, a re rekindling of goals, 
or an up-leveling of the goal that you already are working on. And a realization that spirit is just dying for the opportunity to say yes one more time. To one more time saying, there is a way. There are so many ways. And I say yes to all of them. So just choose. Just choose. And how good it is to know that there is not the limitation of perception that the world expresses and experiences and fears and also relies upon. There is no limitation. For we are all here by divine cause. And we are all here for divine purpose. And so I bless everyone here today and everyone who could not make it today and everybody in every church and mosque and sanctuary across this land. To everyone who's worshiping on the golf courses today. Yes. To our practitioner in Italy today. Spirit is right there. Making a way out of what we declare, absolutely declare to be no way, and so we stop. And so when the, in the stopping, we choose now to say, Spirit, make the way. Make the crooked ways straight. And it's done. I know that it's done. It's done in my life. I see it in the lives of people all around me. I am not special that way. I am extraordinarily normal. And because of that, I know and I experience that life is good. And today I choose to believe that life is good all of the time. What I know for myself, I know for everyone. So I release this now. Letting spirit be that ever firm and constant presence. That friend, that advocate, that partner. And in so doing, only good can come of it. I believe it. I declare it so. And together in agreement we say, and so it is. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.us slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.